What's going on, everybody? Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 we got the best slate of the year, probably, potentially, the best holiday of the year for many people out there in Thanksgiving, and we get to celebrate it with a three-game slate that not only do we have a Millie Maker for the three-game slate, you get insane prize pools for the showdown slates for each of these games. You also get fantastic, like, half-game showdowns if you're in a state where it's legal to play, like, the halftime showdown slates and a bunch of other two-game slates, a lot of stuff that's going to be fun, and it's just football three games on a Thursday during Thanksgiving. It's going to be a ton of fun. We're going to break down the slate position by position like we normally do for these types of videos, and just the specific Thursday Thanksgiving slate right here. Thank you for being here. Sal Vetcher here. Maybe you're just finding me because a lot of people are going to be playing DFS. A lot of people are going to be sports betting. We have a sports betting video out already as well because it's Thanksgiving and why not have something at stake while you're eating your turkey and you're eating all the other food and you're smacking yourself in the face with all this food, digesting it and just watching football, family football and food. Cannot wait to do it myself. And I'm excited to break it down for you right here. Now I'm recording this early in the week. So if there's any injury news that comes out that you're like, how did you not see that so-and-so DeAndre Swift has already been ruled out? Well, I'm recording this early in the week. We're recording this on Tuesday morning when there's no injury reports out. Because if I record it on Wednesday or Thursday morning, it wouldn't reach as many of you. So it's more uh, beneficial to everybody for me to record this earlier. Then I will be putting out updates throughout the week via Patreon. My projections, rankings, and ownership will be up for this Thursday slate, probably on Tuesday or Wednesday, and then updated for any news on Thursday morning on Thanksgiving itself. So be sure to check all that out. And then content throughout the week on Friday will be normal. We'll talk about the week 12 slate, Saturday, that one dude. We're going to have a that one dude video for Thanksgiving specifically and a player prop specific video on Wednesday of this week. Maybe it's already out depending on when you're watching this and then there's going to be no live stream for thursday night thanksgiving i'm taking it off i'm just chilling out relaxing max and all cool with my family and there's going to be no live stream on sunday because i'll be traveling back i'll be on a plane actually i'll be traveling back on sunday so i won't be able to live stream the first time in two years that i won't be able to live stream on sunday morning i know i'm sad i'm sure a lot of you are but be sure to get into patreon so you can get access to the sunday morning closing thoughts podcast that will actually be going up probably a day earlier this week or at least i'll be recording it a day earlier so we go quarterback running back wide receiver and tight end and i give my early interest based on my projections so far right now based on the stacks that I will be going to. And yes, that is right. On a three-game slate, I still will be stacking. Definitely stacking for teams and probably going to stack every single one of my lineups with a game stack, a bring back. You don't have to go all out and get two pass catchers from the same team. Although it's definitely viable for multiple teams on this slate. I can count at least two, three, potentially even four, depending on the injuries that happen in Detroit to stack a quarterback with two pass catchers and run it back. I'll definitely be going quarterback, one pass catcher, running back in every single one of my lineups. And I'll decide, I'll probably, depending on the team itself, will know if I'll get a double stack with a bring back in there, four or five from the same game. But again, correlation is going to give you the best upside of actually winning GPPs. And that's what I'm here for. I'm not here to min cash with my guessing every single player spot. Let's correlate. Let's get the game that actually gets to 50 implied total or over. And on this slate, there's a, a tier to it, right? A 46 implied total, a 48 and a 50 to a 51, depending on when you're looking. So there's going to be some nice spots to actually target when it comes to team and game stack. But before we get into all that, breaking down quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends, screw your defenses. You can take those out. You can throw those out with the rest of your Thanksgiving uh, leftovers, the turkey bones and all that, because I have no interest in talking about your defenses, which you hear today. Go find some other busty old content creator that's going to spend time on chatting about defenses. It ain't going to be me, not for this slate, not ever. Please do as we get into it. Hit the like and subscribe button. That greatly, greatly, greatly helps the show. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. They're on the screen right now if you're watching on the YouTube version. And the sponsor of today's show, Superdraft. Now, their multipliers are not yet out for this slate. As I'm recording this earlier, I'm assuming they're going to be coming out later today. But I will have Superdraft projections on Patreon. So you can check those out if you want to have an advantage when playing on Superdraft, a multiplier format down below. For example, if the Sean Watson 
Watson must have a 1x multiplier and he scores 20 fantasy points. He only gets 20 fantasy points. Now, if Andy Dalton must have a 2x multiplier on this slate and he scores 13 fantasy points, you multiply that by 2x, he gets 26 fantasy points. So it's all about the multipliers and the projections you have for these players to have a huge advantage. Professionals are not playing over on Superdraft. They just simply do not have the time to be putting all their time into hours and hours a week of making a living off of DraftKings, FanDuel, player props, sports betting, all this stuff, Yahoo Fantasy as well, which is bigger than Superdraft, I believe right now because it's salary cap based. So it's easier to get a lot more lineups in there and have an edge. They're not playing on Superdraft. So you can actually win tournaments. People in the Discord winning left and right, $25,000, $1,500 here, $6,000 there. This is over the last couple of days and weeks alone. So be sure to check it out. If you use my name, Sal, S-A-L for this format, they'll give you a free money bonus up to $1,000 rooskies in a slow drip format. So you can check that all out. Link down below on Superdraft. Let them know that you came from me with the code Sal so you can get that bonus, S-A-L. So let's start this bad boy off with Deshaun Watson, who basically had his best game of the season the last time that he went out there. He went for over 35 fantasy points. He had 27 fantasy points at the half. He was my highest owned quarterback last week. And unfortunately, the stacks didn't get there all that much because he spread the ball around. He spread it around to tight ends. He had four wide receivers go for basically 10 or more fantasy points in the game. And then was the Herbert stacks getting me there, the Aaron Rodgers stacks getting me there because he did not get there on his own. That was his second time going over 30 fantasy points this season. And again, he did touch that 35 number. And now he gets an even better matchup this week where his team has the highest team total on the slate at 26.25 and a 50.5 total two-point favorites. They open that against Detroit. He's averaging the most passing yards per game on the slate at 282. It's 15 more than anybody else right now that you're seeing. And the nice thing about Deshaun Watson is you have the rushing upside, just like Lamar Jackson, not as much as Lamar in this slate, but nobody else is even close. If you have Lamar Jackson and then the second option, Deshaun Watson with 26 rushing yards per game, nobody else is even in the double digits because then you just have a bunch of stationary quarterbacks outside of Lamar and Watson. And I don't really like playing stationary quarterbacks all that much. Probably going to be forced into playing some on this slate just because you only got six quarterback options in three games. But I'm talking Big Ben, Matt Stafford, Dalton, and Alex Smith. They give you no rushing upside like Deshaun Watson does. And hence, he had a rushing touchdown this past week. Now he's priced for it, right? He's the most expensive quarterback by $600, but I'm okay with this because his stacking options are not that expensive. And as we go through this, like you see with a lot of majors for golf, like you see with a lot of just big events in general when it comes to DFS, if it's MMA, whatever it might be, and they want people to be involved, Conor McGregor's fighting, uh, whatever it might be, the Masters, you're going to see softer pricing. And that's what you're seeing. They know a lot of people are going to be playing on Thanksgiving. So they want to make it as easy as possible to build a lineup. No expensive tight ends, really no expensive wide receivers this week. Barely, barely. You can argue with me that there's none. I'd say that there's no expensive running backs either, as there's only one player on this slate, not named Deshaun Watson, that is above $7,000. Terry McLaurin's at $7,000 flat, but you're not going to be laboring for money. So paying up for Deshaun Watson and his stacks of wide, of wide receivers that are in the three and 5k range, I'm going to be okay with getting to those types of guys, right? So yeah, Deshaun Watson, I have all the interest in the world in stacking. You have Detroit, who's a bottom third pass rush, 21st overall and they're 30th in coverage. They're terrible. Jeffrey Okuda, their top three overall pick, really struggling this year when he's actually healthy. They have nothing out there right now to stop Will Fuller. They have nothing out there. Who, who just toasted JC Jackson and Stephon Gilmore, by the way, uh, Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks for 80 yards apiece last week. And like I said, the ball was spread out all around. So Randall Cobb got injured, but Kiki Kute, somebody who's had an established connection for about three years now with Deshaun Watson, is going to step in and fill in there. Kenny Stills got hurt. They're saying that he might be able to play. Either way, Kenny Stills is more so the backup wide receiver for as Kute would take over the slot as the more traditional slot receiver here. All that to be said, give me the guy who leads the slate with 8.4 yards per attempt in Deshaun Watson. He's my favorite quarterback play on the slate right now. And then I got a lot of interest in a lot of these other guys on here. So you're going to see that Lamar Jackson's on here. And the last time out there that he faced Pittsburgh, he only put up 16 fantasy points. He has not been doing anything all season long, it seems, in terms of his yards per game right now. Under 200 yards per game. His yards per attempt, 7.1 yards per attempt, is in the bottom half on the slate. It's actually uh, bottom three. He's actually being sacked a lot more with 23 sacks on the season. All these quarterbacks, for the most part, 
are not getting sacked uh, relative to a lot of other quarterbacks in the entire NFL, but you're seeing Lamar not getting as much time. But the big thing is the rushing upside, right? So if you're going to have this rushing upside that like last week and the week before that, getting you over 20 fantasy points, because you can get it done on the ground. When you have Lamar Jackson coming in here right now and averaging a 58 rushing yards per game, 10 attempts per game, it's going to help you out a ton from a just getting their standpoint. Now it's $6,800. Yeah, I just prefer paying up for Deshaun Watson because I don't want to full stack Lamar Jackson. Last week we were saying you just pick one of Hollywood Brown or Andrews and I probably pick Andrews for the price discount and just a touch on upside. That worked last week. That's what I would say yet again this week, Lamar Jackson with Mark Andrews, run it back with any of the wide receivers and maybe multiple of the Pittsburgh wide receivers. So he's going to be in a player pool for me and so a big Ben on the other side of this game who has now put together two out of his last three games. Great. This past week, not as good as the weeks before that, but still fine matchups because his wide receivers are just that good. Now Juju came out of the game with a toe injury, but he should be good to go. Claypool is a red zone monster, 10 touchdowns already. First rookie to do that in his first 10 games ever at the wide receiver position. And then Deontay Johnson, as he's healthy, and we say it every single week, continues to just put up double digit target shares. And now it seems like double digit targets whenever he's going out there. Matchup against Baltimore. Jimmy Smith has been banged up this year. Marlon Humphreys is still good in the slot. So that pauses me with Juju Smith-Schuster, but I'm fine to go full on game stacks here. Although I don't like Big Ben, he does have a 25 implied team total, which is tied for the second highest on the slate as a three point favorite. And Baltimore is actually allowing on this slate the most fantasy points per game to the quarterback position. Big Ben has been coming on. It would be Claypool and Deontay Johnson as my stacks. But if you even want to find a cheaper option in there, I think you could stack Eric Ebron, who actually ran 40 routes last week. Big Ben is not throwing interceptions this year with a 1.2% interception rate, and he's not being sacked either. Second lowest sack total on the slate with just 10 sacks this season. His 6.6% touchdown rate due to the efficiency of his wide receivers, the most efficient one being Deontay Johnson, great after the catch and great at getting separation. He's going to be coming in with the highest touchdown percentage on the slate. So Big Ben right now, I prefer over Lamar Jackson. Lamar has the pure upside just with the rushing game. I don't know if he'll have that against Pittsburgh though. So Deshaun Watson and then Big Ben out of these top three price receivers for me. And then my final interest as of right now, once I finish up my projections and ownership and things like that, maybe we start to do some pivots to Andy Dalton where I think there's some upside, but Matthew Stafford against the Houston Texans at $5,800 is going to be dependent on what happens with Kenny Galladay, who like Kenny Galladay is similar to Julio Jones for Matt Ryan, these similar quarterbacks in terms of their wide receiver ones, how good they're going to be. If Galladay's not out there and now the short week, Amendola missed, Swift missed. It makes this offense really difficult to try and get to because Marvin Hall's a deep shot. Marvin Jones is not getting much separation, a red zone weapon right now, quickly becoming almost Alshon Jeffrey, like Jeffrey was the last few years for the Eagles. And then you have Quinton Cyphers, and then it comes down to like, you just trust TJ Hawkinson for the most part in the passing game. If Galladay's out there, I'll trust him. I'll have some upside, or he will have some upside in a matchup against the Houston Texans who have one of the worst defenses and have been uh, one of the best get right spots on the entire season because this past week without any weapons, you saw Stafford averages 5.4 yards per attempt and only 178 yards on a 55% completion percentage. So the only way I have interest here as the home traditional favorites in the Detroit Lions is if Kenny Galladay is going to be active. It would be Galladay and then Hawkinson as my top two stacking priorities. But if Swift is active as well, I just like getting to the running game there. On these shorter slates, I'm okay getting to stacks with the running backs with their wide receivers or with their quarterbacks, but there's really not that many great running backs that pair up with their quarterbacks. Maybe like a Zeke with an Andy Dalton because Zeke still gets some targets, but I'm not too sure I even want to do that. So I won't set a rule against it, but I'll probably try and limit it as much as I can. And the reason being is because just these running backs in general aren't that great and the quarterbacks in general aren't that great compared to the combinations of wide receivers. We have a pretty rare slate here with Houston, with Detroit, if they're healthy, with Pittsburgh, for sure, with Dallas, where you actually have some nice weapons to full on team stack and game stack these games. Now, I mentioned Andy Dalton because he does come into this one as a three point favorite. I actually like the Washington side of that one. You can check out the betting video that's going to be going up at noon on Tuesday, depending on when you're watching this. But Andy Dalton right now has a 25.25 team implied total tied for the second highest on the slate with the Steelers. Now, the last time he faced this team, he got injured and he got sacked six times and he threw 19 attempts and only had 75 yards in interception. They caused a lot of havoc. This offensive line is still not good. And last week, he wasn't good. Although last week you saw them win the game and then put up 31 points, he only averaged 6.3 yards per attempt, barely hit 200 yards passing as well uh, on over 30 attempts. They got there because their running backs and Tony Pollard and Z 
week, we were able to average over six yards per carry and 180 yards. And they worked on some short fields due to some fumbles and blunders by the Minnesota Vikings. So Andy Dalton, although I think he's a nice cheap option, if Detroit and Matthew Stafford has all their weapons healthy, I would actually rather go there just because you know what you're getting in terms of Houston having no pass rush, 27th in pass rush right now. Houston's coverage also struggling right now at 28th overall. So that game with the highest overall team total as a slight underdog, I would prefer Stafford as the cheapest guy that I would probably get to right now on the slate. And as we move over to the running backs now on this slate for Thanksgiving, you're going to notice I'm probably wearing a different shirt if you watch it on YouTube because I was just starting to edit the video after already recording it. And I got the news that JK Dobbins and Mark Ingram have tested positive for COVID-19, meaning that they are not going to be playing on Thursday night as of right now. So instead of just letting the video go up and you just sitting there not really knowing what to do and not knowing what my take on it was, if I wasn't going to be able to go live on Thursday morning, which maybe I will on Thanksgiving, we'll see at 9 or 10 a.m. Maybe I'll go live on Periscope or even on YouTube for a half hour to an hour. No promises, but maybe I ended up saying, you know what, like a good neighbor, Sal is there. Screw, step over State Farm and Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. I'm here to now re-record this part of the running back show for you. Because yes, now when the number one run offense, and we'll start there in the NFL with the Baltimore Ravens, both last year and this year, has their top two running backs out, one of which and J.K. Dobbins, I was about to come on here and say how, you know what, he's going to look good this week. I don't think the ownership will be there on a guy who became the number one running back last week for the Ravens with 17 touches and 63% of the snaps. Mark Ingram, less than 10% of the snaps. Gus Edwards, only three touches on 20% of the snaps. But now Gus Edwards is saddling up to be the workhorse RB1 on the ground for the league's number one run offense. Now, it's not great when you're facing the number two overall run defense in Pittsburgh, but Gus Edwards has gotten to face this Pittsburgh team so far this year. And so did his teammate in J.K. Dobbins, who's not going to be out there. Mark Ingram, did miss that game. And in that game in week eight, Gus Edwards played 33% of the snaps, but on those 33% of the snaps, he had 16 carries for 87 yards and a touchdown finishing as the RB 14 that week with 14.7 fantasy points. But don't think that Gus Edwards is going to be this, this game flow independent back. No, you're hoping for 15 to 16 to 17 touches purely on the ground. And Gus Edwards, even at $4,000, I have him as a yes right now, but he is going to be touchdown or bust. Yes, he will be touchdown or bust. Of course, he can have 120 yards on the ground and pay off with 15 fantasy points with no touchdowns. But let's say he even has a good game of 14 carries for 75 yards. It is touchdown or bust for Gus Edwards because he's not somebody to rely on in the passing game. He only has so far this year 5.5 routes run per game. And obviously he's in a backfield where three running backs are used, but even dating back to college, if you look at it, basically Gus Edwards in college, he played at Miami for four years and he never saw, he saw six total targets in four years as he wasn't used heavily. And then when he broke out in 2017 in his fifth year in college, when he went over to Rutgers, he did see a decent target share, right? 6.6%, but that's not great. That's not pass catching ability great. He only saw 18 targets in 12 games. So you're looking at maybe one to two targets in this game if you're lucky for Gus Edwards. So at $4,000, we're gonna have to track the ownership. Again, you can track it linked down below on my Patreon, patreon.com backslash Sal underscore Vetri underscore. But if it starts creeping up to like 50% on a three game slate or even 60%, there are running backs that we can pivot to because like I mentioned at the quarterback position, we don't really need to worry all that much about salary on the slate. All the wide receivers are cheap. All of the tight ends are cheap. All the running backs are already cheap. So we don't have to punt down to $4,000 if it's only gonna get us seven or eight points. He is going to be in a good position to score a touchdown. They are going to run a lot. I think Gus Edwards probably touches the ball 15 times in this game, but if it's 15 times for 65 yards, he's going to bust for you on the slate. And that is a big risk. So if he's going to be 50% on, I'll probably move away from it. Early on, he will be a yes. That also is going to move up at least into play Justice Hill. I have him as a no right now, but we know that this team wants to use multiple running backs. So I think there's a real chance you see double digit touches for Justice Hill, who also Justice Hill in college did not see anywhere near the type of pass catching abilities that make you trust him, but he saw at least some decent stuff at Oklahoma State, right? It was basically his breakout year in 2017, where he played 13 games and saw 44 targets. He did catch 31 passes on an 8.7% target share. The next year though, it dropped. He only saw 17 targets in 10 games, only a three and a half percent target share. So we at least have some sort of history in 2017 in college for Justin.
Justice Hill in his 19th year of age that year in college, his second year in college in 2017. You got to at least see some of that work. Now he's just not going to have any usage this year, right? He's the RB4 in this offense, and he was barely used in the weeks when you even saw a guy in Mark Ingram out. Now he played more snaps than Mark Ingram this past week and actually got on the field in week 10. He got out there as well. He had a catch for like three yards. He didn't really run uh, many routes. He only saw like 5% of the snaps. We at least saw them using him a little bit more in week 11. Now he'll be involved. I would assume that he would see more passing game usage out of these two running backs, but I assume the running backs are not going to see much passing game usage at all. At the exact same price of Gus Edwards, I'm going to prefer Gus Edwards every single time there. There is direct leverage though. If you think Edwards sees 15 touches and Justice Hill sees 12 with maybe some passing game usage, yeah, there's a reason to pivot there. It all comes down to the ownership. Again, I have more interest in Gus Edwards than Justice Hill, but if Gus Edwards, who's mainly going to be a running back on the ground and is going to rely on touchdowns in this game, is going to start to approach that 40 to 50 to 60% owned territory on a three game slate, and I think it's going to get there, probably 50 plus to 60 plus percent owned, it's either going to be a decision where you have to tell yourself, I'm playing 100% of him, or if you're somebody like many people watching this that only play like one or 10 lineups, you're going to have to get leverage on this slate somehow. And I think a really good way to do that would probably be to go away from him. So he's okay to play at $4,000. There's very easy upside there if he just gets a touchdown, but there's a huge downside if he doesn't. So touchdown or bust, in my opinion. Next up is Ezekiel Elliott at $6,800. He's a yes for me. Look, I've been screaming. He was our that one, dude. I've been screaming that Ezekiel Elliott is getting a bad rep. Yes, when you're playing in an offense that has Ben DiNucci and then Gilbert, you're going to have some trouble in terms of having loading boxes and not getting into the red zone. What happens when Andy Dalton started his only full game so far this season? Zeke had 12 and a half fantasy points. Then he goes weeks in a month with the bye week included in there without Andy Dalton and having bottom of the barrel, some of the worst NFL quarterbacks start for him. Ben DiNucci, definitely the worst we've seen this year. And he struggled. And then Andy Dalton comes back and he goes for over 100 yards. He's seen 21 plus opportunities and touches in three straight games now. And then he had a pass, two receptions as well. He had a receiving touchdown. He only ran 16 routes. That's a concern. He's normally running like 25 to 30. So hopefully we see that get back up there. Now they were leading for parts in this game as well. So maybe he didn't have to run as many routes. He also had 21 carries. So there's a, there's a direct reason why he wasn't running more routes because he was literally running the ball. So Zeke was our that one dude, like we said last week. Again, check out the video. I'll have a that one dude for uh, this Thanksgiving slate coming out Wednesday morning. 21 attempts on the ground, 103 yards, two catches, 11 yards, and a touchdown. Zeke, I like this week. Now, Washington's defensive line is going to be much better, especially against pressure, but also against the run than what you're getting out of Minnesota. So I don't expect the same usage. He only had 12 carries for 34 yards when he faced them last time, but they also lost that game. Dalton got hurt. Ben DiNucci had to come in. They lost by 25 points. They only scored three points. The offense was stagnant, stale. Now they're going to be home. So uh, as favorites with the second highest total on the slate at 25.25, I'll take some Zeke at a cheap price point. And, and hopefully now that there's going to be some other chalk guys on the slate if indeed the next guy up DeAndre Swift is healthy I think Zeke might not be as highly owned as he should people are going to be running down to Gus Edwards probably running over to DeAndre Swift and then Zeke might be next in line which pretty much gives you the entire mid-range on the slate at running back the five and six K range to just probably go unowned or a lot lower owned than they should but we'll start with DeAndre Swift who got put into the concussion protocol last Thursday after a Wednesday practice so he's going to have to have a quick turnaround here right it was very doubtful and he got ruled out quickly that he wasn't going to play Sunday and most people will clear it in a week or two and usually a week a lot of these guys will clear it if it's not serious he's going to have exactly a week before he can play. So I think this is going to come down to a game time decision. But if he does indeed play, he's a strong yes for me. The last time that we saw DeAndre Swift was when he actually got his first start ever about a half hour before the game started in week 10. And he went berserk. He went 78% of the snaps. He had 21 total touches on 21 opportunities, five receptions, 149 yards and a touchdown finished with 26 fantasy points. He was the running back for that week in daily fantasy sports. And he's been good for a while now. I mean, you've been seeing him get these 15 plus opportunities. He finally got to have that career high 78% snap count, that overall opportunity share, that 20 plus 
plus touch game, getting all the red zone work, getting all the passing game work. I like this spot for him against Houston. You're having some of the worst overall defenses on this slate in terms of the running defenses. Washington and Pittsburgh are not one of them, but basically every other team on this slate is going to be in the bottom third of the league in run defense, including the Baltimore Ravens when we get to James Conner. Yes, this is not the same Baltimore Ravens teams as last year. The Patriots two weeks ago ran all over them in a bad weather game, of course. But then last week, Derrick Henry, like he does with many teams, ran all over them. This Baltimore Ravens team is approaching bottom six right now in overall run defense on the season. You're having Dallas, you're having Houston, you're having Detroit, who are also bottom 10 in the league right now. So a lot of good spots for running backs, which makes it even more of a reason to pivot off of some of the chalk, especially if you're trying to win the Millie Maker and have that one unique lineup. So I like DeAndre Swift. I do think that DeAndre Swift will be pushing Gus Edwards for the most popular back on this slate. A lot of casuals will be playing, and, and Ezekiel Elliott is probably the name that they know the most. It might be the only name, if you're looking at this outside of Adrian Peterson, that people who only watch football a couple of times a year and play daily fantasy sports a couple of times a year will actually recognize Zeke and probably Adrian Peterson. So maybe that keeps some of the ownership down. But those are the three guys I like a lot right now. I like Edwards, I like Swift, and I like Zeke. Edwards is the one that I'm, I'm telling you is a yes because he's only $4,000 and he's going to project out for double digit fantasy points. That's rare. But there is a floor on this guy because of the fact that he does not have a passing game role and because of the fact that he's facing a very good Steelers run defense. The upside is that you're probably looking at 15 plus touches, maybe even 20 plus touches at a 4K price tag. And even in a bad game, you're probably getting a minimum of eight fantasy points with the upside of probably 16 plus if he scores a touchdown. Next up, we get to this range where I think this is the range that we're going to pivot to. This will be where my that one dude at the running back position is definitely going to come from. You have James Conner in here who has been struggling. You have James Conner coming off of a week this past week where he just didn't get the attempts. He didn't get the overall usage. Now he had a decent amount of work, right? He had 16 week 11 touches for 99 total yards. Now he's facing this struggling Baltimore run defense that currently, if we just look where they rank overall coming into week 11, they ranked 21st. Now they're actually dropping a couple more spots to be ranking 25th overall in run defense. That is not good by any means. And they rank 29th in tackling. This is not a good run defense. Let's get that. Let's start to switch the narrative out of the last years that we have had this team in the AFC North, right with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are not the same run defense anymore. Now, James Conner has been getting a lot of slack. Oh, he's not the goal line back. It's Benny Snell. No, that was just a, a breath of fresh air coming. Benny Snell after James Conner did some work and he has ended up vulturing a touchdown. James Conner has seen a lot of vulture touchdowns this year, but he's also second on the slate with 26 overall red zone attempts. James Conner is somebody who's seeing a ton of work. He's seeing 17.7 opportunities per game. Again, those 26 red zone attempts is second only to Ezekiel Elliott on this slate right now. He's number one in defensive yards above replacement and efficiency metric for running backs. He's breaking a lot of tackles. He's top 10 in evaded tackles. He's top 10 in yards graded. James Conner has been good this year. If you're on, if he's on your fantasy team, you might be disappointed that he's not finding the end zone more. But on a per touch basis, James Conner has been good. I don't really like yards per carry, but he's averaging true yards per carry 4.5, which is tied for the second highest in the slate only behind the rookie DeAndre Swift. So James Conner has been good at 6,200. I'm hoping that James Conner becomes one of the lowest owned backs in the slate because his recent game logs have basically been showing that he has not been that great because he's just not finding the end zone. Last time out against Baltimore, he had 15 fantasy points. I think James Conner is a fine option to get to here. And I think that out of the three guys we mentioned, and out of a couple probably that we're going to talk about, at least one still, he'll probably be lower owned than all those guys. Even though he's a proven player on a team with a 25 implied team total as three point favorites. And according to fantasy points per game, Baltimore is allowing the most to any of the running back positions on this slate. James Conner coming off of a couple of bad weeks. The 16 touches last week just missed 100 total yards, including his receptions. But then before that, only 6.8 fantasy points versus Cincy. Dallas, they get down big early and have a comeback win. Only four fantasy points on just 11 attempts in that game, 15 attempts the game after against Cincy, and 16 attempts this past week. You're basically getting 15 touches in a good game environment and with some passing game upside there. Now, he's obviously $6,200, so he's not as cheap as Gus Edwards with similar usage, but that's the reason why he's probably going to be a fraction of the ownership. Antonio Gibson has been very good. Antonio Gibson has faced Dallas so far this season, and he went for a buck 28 on the ground, and he ended up having a touchdown. Antonio Gibson last week, again, he had 16 carries, I believe 94 yards and a touchdown, also had a 10-yard reception. Back-to-back 20-plus point games for Antonio Gibson. You have DeAndre Swift, who I talked about. He's the number one player in fantasy points per touch on the slate at the running back position. 
0.956. Number two is another rookie, and it's Antonio Gibson right now if you take out Carrion Johnson's small sample size of 0.79. Gibson is seeing 14.8 opportunities per game, which is actually the third highest on this slate. So you just can't think of Gibson anymore as not this workhorse back. He's been a workhorse back. He's been getting a ton of usage right now in back-to-back games, flirting with 20-plus opportunities. The game against Dallas, he ended up going out there with 20-plus opportunities. This is a workhorse back. He's just not running as many routes as J.D. McKissick. And last week, they ended up blowing out Ryan Finley's team in the second half when Joe Burrow tore his ACL. Shout out Joey Burrow. Quick recovery to you. That allowed Gibson to see even more carries. They brought Peyton Barber in for some garbage time. J.D. McKissick didn't see as many routes run. As underdogs in this one with just a 22 and a half total, it's not going to be as great of a spot for him. Maybe you get 16 carries, one to two targets and receptions, but it's still a nice workload usage for him at 6K. I do think he'll come in higher on than James Conner. Again, it'll depend on the ownership. If they both come in, let's say at like 25%, well then yeah, I like Gibson more. I think he looks a little bit better. But if one is 30% and one is 10%, there's no way you can tell me that Antonio Gibson long-term outscores James Conner three times the amount of times, especially in this matchup where these defenses look pretty similar. Yes, Dallas has bad run defense, but again, so does Baltimore. Let's remember that. Duke Johnson has been terrible. He went from 95% of the snaps to 77% of the snaps in his two starts with David Johnson IR and is still on IR right now. And last week, 10 attempts for 15 yards, did catch three passes on five targets, but he averaged 1.5 yards per carry. That is not going to get it done. But now he gets this matchup against Detroit. And Detroit currently right now, in terms of their tackling, they rank 31st. In their run defense, they rank 22nd. So this is like a bottom five overall tackling and run defense unit when you combine the two metrics. And now you get Duke Johnson to go up against him, who long-term in his career is a very good evaded tackles guy, is a very good created yards player. But in the small two-game sample size of us seeing him have 15 opportunities basically each of the past two weeks, it does not look good. CJ Prosey's got more work last week. This team didn't even want to run the ball. They were in the red zone a couple of times with first and goal from like the three, the four, the five, and they didn't run the ball once. Literally not once. They just kept throwing the ball for touchdowns. Uh, one of them, Deshaun Watson ran in. So that's also something that you're going to have Deshaun Watson vulturing touchdowns to a lesser extent than like a Kyler Murray or a Cam Newton, but he's still going to do it like he did last week. So it seems like there's not much trust there, but again, this is like historically what you want to be looking for. The highest total on the slate at 26 and a half, two point favorites. So a favorite running back in a nice game, he's going to be on the road, but in a very good matchup and a nice team total, it's hard to fully ignore Duke Johnson, no matter how bad he's been. Similar to James Conner, I think he'll be one of the guys, and we'll have this on Patreon for sure once we have these ownership projections later on, probably today or Wednesday. He's going to be somebody that does not pick up as much ownership, but clearly has that upside based on the fact that all these guys in this range, Duke Johnson, Antonio Gibson, James Conner, Gus Edwards, all these guys, and also including DeAndre Swift. If Swift's healthy, he's probably in that Zeke territory for volume around 20, but all those other guys are going to be looking and flirting at like 15 to 16, probably touches more times than not. And it's probably going to come down to which ones can get involved in the passing game, which is Duke Johnson more so than any of those other guys. And which ones can find the end zone. And that one's kind of just a shrug emoji. Hope that you get some good touchdown variants on there. So Duke Johnson's in play. Carry on Johnson, I have marked at 4,300. He's only in play if DeAndre Swift misses. He would be direct leverage off of Gus Edwards, and I would prefer him over Adrian Peterson. He saw five targets on 39% of the snaps in his week 11 start with indeed uh, DeAndre Swift going to be out for that game. Six attempts in the ground. Peterson saw seven attempts and a target on 30% of the snaps. Peterson didn't look good. Uh, you had Carry on Johnson trying to be the scat back. It didn't look great either, but they're at least giving him the opportunities. Had three receptions in that game. You would probably split the workload that again, you probably see overall like maybe three or four targets, maybe up to five targets like last week, 10 to 12 carries on the ground for carry on if indeed DeAndre Swift was out, which makes you have a couple of 4K running back options. So all the chalk doesn't just go to Gus Edwards. So he's in play only if Swift is out. Again, prefer him to Peterson. And then JD McKissick last week didn't see a lot of usage, only five targets. Why? Only 19 routes run instead of 40 the week before and 30 plus the week before that. Well, because they were leading in the second half by multiple scores and they started to run Antonio Gibson for 20 plus times. They started to run Peyton Barber, I believe had eight carries in this game in garbage time. McKissick 
Kasich himself saw some more carries on the ground instead of being involved in the passing game because they just weren't passing. They were saying, let's take the air out of the ball. Let's ex- let Alex Smith just run this clock out. And that's exactly what they did. They're picking up five and six and seven yard chunks against the Bengals' bad run defense. So why not just keep doing that? So that's kind of an outlier game. Now they're underdogs in this one. I think you'll probably see McKissick's target share go back up to overall targets like seven or eight, maybe even towards that double digits like we saw the previous two weeks, which keeps him in play at a nice cheap price point of $5,100. Also himself, $1,100 difference is not that much on this slate where there's a lot of cheap pricing. JD McKissick over Gus Edwards is a real play this week. McKissick catching five passes for 30 yards and having a couple of carries and getting to 10 or 12 fantasy points. If indeed you get a bust performance out of Gus Edwards, where he's only having 89 yards on the ground and no touchdowns, well, obviously you're getting a nice bonus there for not that much more money and about five fantasy points. So there's a lot of pivots off of Gus Edwards on the slate. Again, the 20 carry game for 80 yards and one or two touchdowns, you're just going to lose if you don't have him. So that's the risk you're taking. It's going to be the ownership game for me. Outside of that, there's nothing else at the running back position that looks that nice. Tony Pollard, again, like you, you, now you have Gus Edwards, maybe carry on Johnson and Adrian Peterson open up. I'm not paying the same exact price point for a guy who gets me five or six carries and you have to pray that he breaks off the 40 yard touchdown like he did last week. Zeke is still getting all the touches, 21 plus touches in three straight games. I don't think that's changing this week either. Peyton Barber was only using garbage time and Benny Snell had the goal line touchdown and seven carries on 15 yards. I'm not going to bank on that happening again either at 4k so right now Zeke Swift and Gus Edwards are in play a lot of pivots off of Gus Edwards if you want it James Conner Antonio Gibson Duke Johnson JD McKissick and J- Carryon Johnson are my maybes that are in a player pool and I like a good amount of them as well one of those guys will definitely be my that one dude this week once I do my finish my projections and ownership projections and we have an idea of some of the lower owned plays so you can tune into that video that comes out on Wednesday morning and tune into the projections and rankings and ownership and all that type of stuff to see exactly how these guys differentiate from each other right now I think there'll be some sneaky spots to get lower owned running backs especially with everybody trying to jump on Gus Edwards this week. So with that all said, I'm going to change my shirt back to the purple shirt now as I get back to editing this. We could talk about the wide receivers and tight ends for this Thanksgiving day three game slate. So wide receivers, as always, we're going to have a lot of interest here because we stack them up, or at least I personally stack these wide receivers up. Also, if you're still here, hit the like and subscribe button. It really does help as we're about halfway through at this point, but there's going to be a lot of wide receivers that I have interest in. I mean, you have Terry McLaurin, who the last time out there went for over 60 yards and a touchdown against the Dallas Cowboys. And he's the most expensive skill position player. He's the second most expensive guy in the slate at 7K behind Deshaun Watson and he's still this cheap at 7k like his price point drops from what it has been as of later I think it was at 6900 now it's barely touching 7k but he continues to see these insane target shares that you're seeing and he's still seeing some good usage with Alex Smith who slowly started to throw a little bit more downfield this past week which is encouraging to see because you're not getting much air yards out of Terry McLaurin now he had five catches on seven targets for 84 yards and that's the thing he's just gonna have to continue to rely on his yards per route run being efficient he had 3.11 yards per route run in week 11 but the weeks before that you're not seeing any air yards from Alex Smith now he gets this matchup versus Dallas which is kind of the cheat code in terms of secondaries by far the best matchup in the NFL this year is against Dallas for your wide receivers so Washington Terry McLaurin definitely in play the concern is for me though like he'll probably be a one-off for me it'll be hard for me to get unique unless I want to get really different with Alex Smith stacks against this Washington team which I know that we currently have that as a no on the first page if you're only playing a couple of lineups but I don't think I'm going to exclude it and I'll see how many I get like maybe I got 10% Alex Smith snacks this week and I'll update that on Patreon throughout the week and now we can basically discuss the other receivers from the other teams that I'm willing to stack up Will Fuller Brandon Cooks on here they're just so cheap right this is why it's easier to play play a guy like Deshaun Watson. Will Fuller against Detroit, where there's not going to be any matchup. Akuda, it's going to be a huge positive advantage of probably 50% for Will Fuller. They try and put him on him. If it's Amani, it'll be the same thing. And the opposite player, if they're both healthy, will be going up against Brandon Cooks, who continues to just see a ton of targets each and every week. This past week, what you saw was the ball being spread around a ton. And Randall Cobb got hurt in that game right after he scored a touchdown, ran only three routes, two catches for seven yards. But you saw Will Fuller see eight targets. You saw Cooks, least targets that he's seen in a month. He's seen 12, 9, 9, 9, and 8. He sees five in this game, four catches, 85 yards. Just wasn't needed all that much. He ended up having a touchdown. 
I believe, called back and he was down at the one yard line on another play. So it could have been an even bigger week for Brandon Cooks. For some reason, he's just stuck in purgatory in this 5K range. He should be a 6K plus wide receiver. So Brandon Cooks might be my favorite point per dollar wide receiver right now. Stacking him up with Will Fuller is something that I really do like to do, bringing it back with hopefully Galladay if he's healthy or a Hawkinson, or maybe you want to have a one-off of DeAndre Swift if he's healthy. With one of those guys, that's going to be the optimal way to go. I think it'll be probably one of the more popular stacks. But again, I don't think that many people are going to stack a five players from one game on this slate, especially since there's a lot of casuals playing. So give me some Will Fuller. Give me some Brandon Cooks. I'm fine with McLaurin, but I'm not going to stack him up as much. So it limits the overall upside that I get in my lineups, unless I use him as a one-off. Next up are the Pittsburgh wide receivers. They're all in play for me. Juju's dealing with an injury and we'll see Marlon Humphreys who has shut him down multiple times in the past two seasons. So that's your concern there. Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson don't really have much worries. Last time out there, Jimmy Smith covered Chase Claypool. Didn't really matter. Had nine targets, had five catches, 42 yards, scored the game-winning touchdown for 13 fantasy points in that game. Deontay Johnson will be the guy that I want to get to the most. And I assume everybody else will be piling on ownership because when Deontay Johnson is healthy, he is by far the Steelers' number one wide receiver. Separation and yards after the catch. When you put those things together, you're going to be having Devontae Adams and Keenan Allen like production because those are what those guys do best. Separation and yards after the catch. That's exactly what Deontay Johnson is doing. Last time out there against Marcus Peters, though, he had just one catch for six yards on three targets. So Marcus Peters did shut him down, but he's been electric since then. And he only did play 67% of the snaps as he was banged up and playing half injured in that game. I believe it was a hamstring injury. So Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool will be my primary options there. If let's just say that the ownership comes in on a smaller slate, it'd be hard to judge how much ownership, but let's say there's 20% more ownership, 15% more ownership on Deontay Johnson than Chase Claypool. If it's like more than a 10% difference, I'm just going to go to the other guy. So if it's like, I don't know what the numbers are going to be right now. I'll have the ownership later in the week. If it's like a 35%, this could be nowhere near it. We're just using a number and a 25% on Claypool, 35% on Deontay. And I need to make a pivot in my lineup because I want to have a more unique lineup. I'll be going to chase Claypool there instead. Any God, he continues to miss games, but he'll have no worries on defense. It'll be like Bradley Roby attempting to keep up with him. A hobbled Bradley Roby against a cobbled Kenny Galladay. I'll take Kenny Galladay's side of that all day long. Kenny Galladay, when he's actually been healthy this year, right now you're seeing 6.4 targets per game. 14.1 air yards per target is second most on the slate. It's even ahead of guys like Will Fuller. Second most on the slate, only to Hollywood Brown. So I like Kenny Galladay's upside in this offense, averaging 68 yards per game. He's a yes as well. So those are the six yeses on the top end. And Kiki Kute is very close to a yes. Sal, why is he not a yes? He's only 3,400. Kiki Kute came into that game and ran 26 routes once Randall Cobb got hurt. I would expect more times than not, Randall Cobb was, if they were throwing a lot, would run like 25, 30 routes, but more times than not, Cobb was running like 20 routes. So if Kute runs 20 routes and Cobb is normally this price point anyways, right? Cobb this past week was just 3,600. He was like 38, 3,900 the weeks before that. So it's not like you're getting anything crazy here. Now there is a longer connection for Kute and Deshaun Watson of a couple of years compared to Cobb just a couple of games this year, but at $3,400, I expect in my stacks to get a good amount of him, but I'm not too worried about salary on this slate all that much. So I expect Kute to be in my lineups, in my stacks, but he's not as much of a priority as a lot of people probably make him out to be. Because if this was Randall Cobb at $3,400 in this slate, we would think that it was a good play, but it wouldn't be something that you have to jam into all your lineups. But since it's like a new player stepping into this role, people are going to jump up and down. And also Kenny Stills, if he is indeed healthy, it seems like he avoided serious injury where Randall Cobb's toe injury is sending him likely to the IR. Kenny Stills could get involved here and take some from Kute. Still think he's a good play, but I think a lot of people might jump on him too quickly uh, and, and think that he's something more than he's not when he's basically just Randall Cobb and who Randall Cobb has been for most of the games this year is like a guy will catch four passes for 40 yards in a lot of these games. Juju's in play for me. Like I said, I like the other receivers more. This is where we get start to get interesting. If you wanted to stack up this Washington game and this Dallas game, the second game on the slate that has the second highest overall total. Everybody's going to want to stack the first game. Highest total. Honestly, the two worst defenses on the slate, probably from Houston and Detroit, and the best quarterback on the slate, in my opinion, Deshaun Watson, but the easiest stack to go to in Fuller and Cooks. So a way to get away from that is to stack up the second game that's not that far off with a 48 implied total and has a lot of pass catching weapons. And we saw competent at least quarterback play from both of these quarterbacks last week in one Alex Smith, and we've seen it for a couple weeks now, having almost 400 yards two weeks ago. And Andy Dalton, although he wasn't great, 200 yards, he ended up finding three touchdowns. 
uh, taking advantage of shorter fields, 6.3 yards per attempt. And you get fair price points on Amari Cooper, who came out last week and had a big day. You had CeeDee Lamb with one of the catches of the year that we ended up seeing in the end zone. So he can sustain these guys, especially downfield. Now, Gallup would be my concern at just 3,500. I would prefer Amari Cooper and Lamb in that order. I think Amari Cooper makes for a very good one-off option here, especially if there's not going to be a lot of ownership on him and it moves in that price range, maybe to Kenny Galladay if he's healthy, the Steelers receivers and Brandon Cooks. So I think that's very appealing to be looking at. You're getting 9.2 targets per game right now for Amari Cooper, 73 yards per game is actually second highest on the slate. And now he actually gets some good quarterbacks. He was sustaining production, even with Ben DiNucci and also Gilbert out there. Now he gets Andy Dalton back, who's much better than those guys. One interesting name as we continue to try and target him, but he continues to do nothing because Lamar Jackson just can't throw downfield. Unless your name is Mark Andrews and you're in the middle of the field, he can't hit Marquise Hollywood Brown, who has a 41.5% air yard market share, which is right there neck and neck with Terry McLaurin as the highest in the slate. And he leads the slate with 158 overall yards per reception. And he leads the slate with 15.8 air yards per target right now. So he's a big play upside. On these types of slates, it is a one play trick pony right there for Hollywood Brown at $4,700. Nobody's probably going to want to play him as a three-point underdog with a terrible, terrible implied team total right now. The upside in Hollywood Brown is that he won't be owned on the slate. That's why he's going to be in my player pool right now. The only way I'll have interest in Marvin Jones and, and guys like Marvin Hall is if you get no Kenny Galladay. I do think that Danny Mandola at $3,700, I should at least star him because I actually do like him. I'm just, I'm not assuming that he plays or I'm not expecting him to play, but he might return. It seems like his injury on his back is a little bit more severe or he has a back and something else injury. seems a little bit more severe than Kenny Galladay's and is a little bit fresher and newer. So just keep a close eye on that as I scroll down to some of these cheaper plays here. Dan, Danny Amendola will be the guy that I get to. Des Bryant, it's a nice story. $3,600 though is, is too much in my opinion in this matchup against Pitt. He ended up being their second leading receiver, their number one wide receiver only behind the tight end Mark Andrews this past week. I think he brought in three of his receptions. He looked decent out there, right? He ended up still being able to catch. The problem is just yards after the catch. So he's going to be a touchdown or bust for you. He'll be on the field though. He ended up running a lot of routes. Let's pull up his exact routes from week 11 right now. Des Bryant in week 11 for the Baltimore Ravens. Second time he's been on the active roster. Ended up running 20 routes, which is the fourth most on the team and third most of any receiver. He brought in four receptions, which was the most of all the wide receivers for 28 yards with so 6.8 fantasy points. That might get it done for you at this price tag, but honestly, it might not. He's probably touched on her bus. Kenny Stills down here is at least worth mentioning. The other Redskins receivers, if you were indeed to try and stack this game, it's obviously Terry McLaurin with Alex Smith. And then probably Cam Sims is getting more usage than Steve Sims right now. But I would go to Logan Thomas if you're going to go anywhere else with that. Nobody else down here is going to be interesting to me. Ray Mary McLeod and James Washington are splitting the wide receiver four snaps for Pittsburgh. So if you're trying to punt a $3,000 wide receiver, it's probably Kenny Stills for me if he is indeed healthy. He's the guy that I think can get more usage with no Randall Cobb out there and Kiki Kute taking over in the slot. So let's move now to the tight end position. Also remind you that I do have Patreon projections and rankings. They are linked down below, patreon.com backslash Sal underscore battery underscore. A lot of stuff over there. So game by game notes for the main slates, for this specific slate for Thanksgiving, projections for every single player, ownership projections, which are huge for trying to win GPPs, leveraging ownership to projections, rankings for cash games like your head-to-heads and your big tournaments like the Millie Maker, rankings for those as well, letter rankings, A, B, C, D, uh, and basically tells you who the better plays are through that in a tiered format. And a lot of other stuff, a Sunday Closing Thoughts podcast each and every week. You can check everything out that's linked in the description down below for what you get for Patreon. Again, patreon.com backslash Sal underscore battery underscore. So we get to the tight end interest right now and the tight end overall picks. So a lot of guys are in play. Tight end every single week, including this week is cheap. Last week, the most expensive guy in the main slate was $4,900 Mark Andrews. This week, it's $5,200 Mark Andrews. And Andrews ended up, he should have had like another touchdown. He should have had the 100 yard bonus. He had five catches for 96 yards on the team leading 30 routes run last week. Back-to-back games at seven plus targets. He's not a screaming out yes for me because look, I think he's a fine play. Pittsburgh is going to be able to isolate him. Pittsburgh is arguably the best team or one of the best teams in the league against the tight end this year. But Andrews is one of the best tight ends. So I mean, it's devil 
devil's advocate, you could say either way there. Andrews tied with the second most targets on the slate with Hawkinson at 5.9 per game right now. So I'm fine getting to Mark Andrews if you want to. That's why he's in my player pool right now. I just know that I'm not going to stack Baltimore as much. So he's not going to be as much of a priority, but any of these tight ends are in play, right? Every single one of them. Like I have them all marked right here in a player pool because I'm probably going to get to the ones that I'm stacking or in a game or team stack. So if I'm stacking Houston, I'll run it back with Hawkinson, who's seen six or more targets in four out of his last five games. And right now has a 68% catch rate of all tight ends, which leads this slate and is good to see. And if there's no Galladay, even better for him. But Hawkinson right now is a fine option in all of your stacks. He leads the slate also in separation at 3.4. But then Eric Ebron, if you want to be stacking Pittsburgh, he's a nice cheap stack. Ebron is probably also maybe the best one-off option here. I mean, Mark Andrews, you could say has a two touchdown upside, but the best one-off option factoring in price point. He ran 40 plus routes last week. He's seen five or more targets in five straight games. And he's just heavily involved with the 16.6% air yard share. Dalton Schultz is somebody who found the end zone, four plus receptions in three straight games with three different quarterbacks. He seems to be steadily involved running a good amount of routes for Dallas right now, including last week. He's cheap at $3,800, averaging the most targets per game on the slate, although skewed earlier in the year when Dallas was throwing a lot more back at 6.1. Logan Thomas busted in a completely terrible way last week. He had like a three yard carry. He had like two short receptions and he ended up, I think he had one reception for zero yards and he ended up seeing five total targets. He has now seen five targets in three straight games. He ran 26 routes last week and they're going to be trailing in this one, 5.8 targets per game. Logan Thomas has a yes, it's probably pretty aggressive. I'll make Logan Thomas a maybe right now. I'll also probably go ahead and make uh, Dalton Schultz a maybe. Dalton Schultz is a nice price point, but he's not a yes. He's not close enough point per dollar wise to be ahead of Mark Andrews. So right now, Hawkinson or Ebron are probably when you factor in price point, my favorite tight ends on the slate, and then Mark Andrews after that. And then there's punt plays. Like if you wanted to put a punt play, I don't usually stack, let's say, Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks, and then another play, a tight end with my quarterback. But honestly, I'm okay doing that on a three-game slate when Jordan Aikens and Darren Fells are this cheap. Now, whichever one you want to pick is up to you. I think Darren Fells is a better red zone target, but they're both running the same amount of routes. They basically ran 15 routes apiece last week. So they're basically punt-only options. You're not going to see anything crazy, probably two or three targets apiece at most. You're hoping for a punt touchdown there, but they're cheap options in play. Twenty nine hundred. Jordan Akins, if you wanted to pay up at every single running back and wide receiver spot, it's one way to more easily do that with Akins and Fells. Punt one of them. Again, I think Fells is a better red zone weapon for them, but they're both going to be on the field, probably in the red zone as well. Maybe even more now that Randall Cobb is out, they might run more two tight end sets. So that's where I'm at right now. If you want to see exactly my projections to follow along and see the updates, because this video is coming out on Tuesday morning, Wednesday, there'll be some news. Thursday, there'll be some news. I'll update all of that in the Patreon projections. Ownership rankings will all be updated up until lock for all of these games. I'll have a showdowns video coming out on Thursday morning with showdown projections, rankings, all that stuff on Patreon as well. Wednesday is going to be our That One Dude video, trying to get some low-owned guys in this three-game slate and leverage the slate the best we could. It's been doing very well this year, the That One Dude video. So be sure to like and subscribe so you can see when all that stuff comes out. Check out the information down below in the description to see Super Draft to get yourself a free deposit bonus up to $1,000 Ruskies. They'll give you free money in a slow drip format if you use the promo code SAL, S-A-L, and you can see some of the best Super Draft plays on the slate in my description below on Patreon to follow along. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a happy Thanksgiving, everybody, and I'll see you all in the next one.